Podcast Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. What's up? What's going on with you? It's a throwback Thursday. Even though we don't play any music in this podcast, you feel free to listen to some throwbacks later on. Well, listen, we uh, we have some uh, throwbacks on our shows on Thursdays that we do. And yes, I said shows plural. For those who don't know, we host a morning show in Kitchener, 530 to 930, 91.5 The Beat. Great music. I love Throwback Thursday on there. And also on Barry's Hit Music on Fresh 93.1. It's also Throwback Thursday there. So we get to hear a lot of throwbacks in a given day, and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, you, uh, I didn't know you were going to post that video yesterday. So I was just scrolling through my timeline <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden my phone started blowing up. So I can only imagine what your phone looked like. You posted yesterday and put it out there, uh, a secret that, that podcast listeners have known for a while, but the mass public probably didn't clue into until yesterday when you made it official. Yeah, Kat's that girl that does the voice on TikTok. Well, it's been a year and a half of DMs on this, and I just kind of ignore the the DMs for the most part. But what I will say is more recently, I've been like, you know what? I'll just tell you. Yeah, it's me. Okay. I get so many DMs and any given day, like, are you sure this is this you? Because it sounds like you. And I thought, you know what? If I can just across the board, let everybody know, yes, it's me, then maybe that would just be it, right? But what I didn't realize in doing that, because my social channels I mainly look at are Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I have a Facebook page, but I don't tend to to venture that way as much. I'm the same way. And I do have a TikTok account. And I started the TikTok account when TikTok became popular, but I didn't use it. I didn't use it. And so I decided, well, it probably makes the most sense for me to do this on TikTok, right? It makes sense. Cool. And then I didn't really realize because what happens is I couldn't just save the video. So I couldn't record this video in TikTok and save the video. I had to post the video in order to save the video. Oh. Because, which is smart on TikTok's account. I mean, that makes so much sense. You want all your videos out there. Why would you want people saving it and putting it on other platforms? That doesn't make any sense. So fair. So I did that. And then I didn't even look at TikTok because I actually didn't have my notifications on at all. And it wasn't until I was alerted like late afternoon by some friends. Uh... Cat, this has over 2 million views. Cat, mm-hmm. this has 3 million views. Cat, this has over 4 million views. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I kind of, I, I didn't realize. Um, so yeah, that happened. Um, and I'm not even, I'm not even sifting through any comments or anything on it at this point, but it was my first TikTok. Like you mentioned, it was actually the first TikTok I've ever done in my life. Did you love it? Are you addicted? Oh man, I'm, I would have a lot of learning to do. And the comments tell me so. Like, you could have done more with this. I'm like, okay, you know what? I will accept that feedback. Or I, go fuck yourself. No, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not up to you. I, I am not going to consider myself a TikToker just yet, even though it is my voice on TikTok. But you know what? It was a, it's a learning curve that I can that I can deal with. But yeah, I mean, the formal announcement is I have an ongoing uh, relationship with TikTok. And uh, it's been wild. It's been a fun ride. Cool. That's great. And and there are a lot of questions about that. Namely, why didn't you say something sooner? Do you want to save that for tomorrow? Or, or can you answer that one right now? Basically, what I have done is I have compiled all the questions, as many as I possibly can, can gather. A lot of them duplicates, but as many of them um, as I could gather yesterday. And I guess I'll continue to do it today. And yeah, I will address it in the uh, podcast 
podcast, the Ask Anything podcast tomorrow. It's amazing how many questions are coming in for tomorrow too. Oh my gosh, I've got I got one on you that I was like, hmm, I don't know if I should be on to you on this because someone alerted me to something that you once put on social media that really? I didn't even know you did. Really? And they and they think that you're trying to cover your tracks now. It's very scandalous. But we shall ask the question tomorrow. Dun, dun, dun. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. wondering what that is. I don't know. I was getting uh, questions that were different from previous years. I think we've answered a lot of the personal questions, although inevitably people are asking me about cake and people are asking mm-hmm. me about my divorce. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll yeah. get to those questions tomorrow. <laughs> I got one of those too. <laughs> is he still with a big all caps divorce <laughs> or is he still uh, together with his ex-wife? Uh, no, I'll answer that one right now. No, no definitely he's not. not. Divorced yet it, legally, no. It, it's just the world's longest divorce. Right. Okay, so the Ask Us Anything special is tomorrow. If there's a question you want answered, could be personal, could be professional, could just be a something in life that you don't know about. We're happy to help. You can send us those questions by DM at Scott Fox on air on Instagram. Would you rather people send it on TikTok now that you're a TikToker? No, please don't. No, uh, no, send it anywhere is fine. Anywhere is fine. But uh, yeah, on our on our station accounts are great too because we're going to check those too. Okay, sounds good. There's so much to do in this episode of After Nine. First off, we've met Jacob from Headley many times. He's a Canadian artist and we're Canadian broadcasters and that's usually how these things work. Comes in for interviews. And I had no idea back in the day when Jacob was coming in to do interviews on our show that all this shit was going on. But he has now been found guilty of sexually assaulting an Ottawa woman. I had no idea how much time he was going to do for this. The Crown wants seven years behind bars. His defense attorney is arguing it should be more like three to four years. And it's probably going to end up Mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle or somewhere closer to four years, but he's actually going to go to jail for this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone's that is are people surprised by that. I mean, I, I was a little bit, I mean, this trial has dragged on for almost two years now. Yeah, it has been a long time. And you know what? I, I don't know how many people looked into the details of um, what the accusers have said, but uh, it was, it was, a, it was just disgusting. I mean, it was not nice uh, to hear about it. And there's just too many stories. I, I think that you have to set a precedent. I mean, our law systems usually shit uh, for the most part, Mainly. and they don't really put people away that should be put away or they let them out very early. And there's a number of r- things that are wrong with our justice system. So who knows how long he'll actually be in there, but we need to start making points of putting the people in jail that truly do deserve to be there so that at the least we can stop anything like this from happening again. That would be wonderful. Let's set a precedent here. Send them away. The superintendent of the OPP says their police force was preparing for the possibility that the Freedom Convoy could go on for two to three weeks. Yesterday, Pat Morris testified at the commission investigating the federal use of the Emergencies Act. He said the federal election campaign last summer showed that people are willing to go to great lengths to express their dissatisfaction. Basically, what he was saying is the OPP was on it. They knew that this protest was coming in and that it was going to last for a long time. They also knew these people were really, really pissed off. So they were more or less prepared. But it's funny how this story is unraveling now because prior to his testimony, they had the former chair of the police services board from Ottawa, on the stand. And one of the things that that witness pointed out is that she believed there was a an internal insurrection 
happening in the Ottawa Police Department. She said there were factions of the police force that were actively trying to undermine the work of the chief at the time, Peter Slowly. It's really starting to seem like Ottawa police let this get to the point it got to. It's really starting to seem that the the source of the problem, well, take away the actual source of the problem, the protest, once it was going to happen anyway over the various mandates and such, it seems like the Ottawa police basically let these people come in, set up for weeks on end, and then when they were all established, it was too late for the cops to do anything about it, and they had to call in reinforcements. It's getting very, very political, some of this testimony, but it continues again today. We're getting closer and closer to hearing from the former chief, Peter Slowly, and that is going to be such a fascinating testimony to watch, to find out what was going on in the background, to find out who had what intelligence reports. The OPP says they knew what was going to happen. We have CSIS that warned them what was going to happen, and yet Ottawa police seemed completely shocked by the fact that these Mm. people came and stayed like it had never crossed their mind that they will. Uh, That testimony is on every day. It's basically getting televised the whole thing now. I think basically between Global and CTV and CBC, you can watch that trial all day long if you want to. Sorry, inquiry. It's not a trial. It just looks like a trial with people giving sworn testimony and such. Still not into it, are you? No, I'm not really, no. I love it. The union representing 55,000 education workers says contract talks with the province are going to resume only two days before they're in a legal strike position. Apparently, this round of bargaining between QP and the province has basically been pure silence. They Mm. just sit there and look across the table. Really? We offered 2%. You want it or not? Okay, so no no movement on either side right now. Doesn't seem like it. Yesterday, the education minister was asked point blank again, do you have back-to-work legislation drafted that you can drop if these people go on strike on, what was it, uh, November the 3rd, Third, yeah. I believe is the day they mm-hmm. could walk? And he wouldn't say, all he says is, we hope it doesn't come to that and we would like to reach a negotiated settlement. Mm. Do you think we're going to get a strike? I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like I hear from some people that are like, yeah, it's probably going to happen. Uh, but don't worry, kids won't be impacted. And, that, and then other people are like, oh, kids will be impacted. But, and there will be strike. And others that are like, ah, it'll probably be sorted, but it's going to be like deadline approaching. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's going to be a strike either. I do know that I feel strongly about one thing when it comes to this. If you're going to strike, strike. Walk out, walk the picket line, Do what you do when you're on strike. Work to rule is not going to work in this case. The whole, yeah, we'll show up for work, but we're not actually going to do anything or we'll we'll do this, but we won't do this, 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 or that. Mm. That's not good. Either strike or don't strike. And you've got a couple of weeks to think about it, but November the 3rd is when they are officially in a strike position. How could you even do a work to rule in some of those positions, I mean? Like in, in some I could see, but others, it's like, what are you going to, so you're going to sit there um, as somebody who's supposed to be assisting a special needs child, but not like just sit there and watch them, but not do any work toward them. Like, I don't understand how work to rule would even, would even be in place in that case. Well, like let, let, either be there or don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll give you an example of how petty work to rule can be. Uh, the last time there was a strike, we heard from a principal who pointed out that her receptionist is on work to rule. 
And part of their job, if you answer the phones and sit at the desk at a school, is to unlock the door if somebody comes to it. Maybe a parent dropping mm-hmm. off a lunch or whatever. Okay. They wouldn't press the button. So every time somebody came to the door, either the principal or the vice principal had to leave the meeting they were in or get up from their desk, go behind the reception desk and press the button to unlock how, the door. How can you still have like a working relationship with those people after you do that, though? It's such a strange thing for me. I know. I don't it, get it. It's bizarre to me, too. And that's why I'm saying either strike or don't. But if work to rule is going to be the compromise, that's not going to work out for anybody. Oh, and as it turns out, the go bus drivers may go on strike as well. Uh, ATU Local 1587 says they've got 2,200 members that voted 93% in favor of going on strike on Halloween. The transportation agency says a strike is unnecessary and avoidable as negotiations are ongoing, but go train service would continue. If we get into a situation where the buses go on strike, what's going on here? I mean, it seems like everything is coming to a head now, Mm -hmm. and it's very, very frustrating. What else can we tell you? There's a new uh, plea on the environment cat. Okay. Scientists say the harvesting of fish to fill home aquariums around the world is posing a real threat to coral ecosystems in Indonesia. Oh. Millions of saltwater fish are caught in Indonesia and other countries every year that are bound for pet stores in North America. The trade is difficult to regulate and track, they say, and a U.S. law prohibits the import and sale of fish caught using illegal methods, but that's rarely applied. Basically, what they're saying here is you guys got to lay off with your aquariums and your fish tanks and shit like that because you're ruining the coral ecosystem in Indonesia. Can I say I don't, I don't get the fish thing? It's a weird kind of pet uh, to have, right? I, I understand. In that you can't pet it. I understand that they're beautiful. Um, there are some especially the ones you're mentioning that are going to come from those, you know, exotic places that we don't get here in Lake Ontario. So I fully understand that they're, they're, they're pretty and there's something really nice to look at. I know that for some people it's a hobby. I, I just, I don't get it. It just makes me sad looking at them just swimming around in a tank, knowing that these creatures were meant to be in wide open spaces in the ocean, the widest of the spaces that you can find on earth, by the way, that's where they're meant to be. I personally, I don't get it. Uh, but uh, so I'd be all for it, but I know there's some people who hate this and don't like hearing this because they are hobbyists of this essentially. Yeah. I, uh, I've got a buddy who, who really likes fish mm-hmm. and I've tried to talk to him about it and ask him like, yeah. well, what's the deal here? What, what, are, you, what are you doing yeah. here? What, what do, do you take him out? Do you hold him? Do you walk him? Do you pet him? What do you, what do you do? I mean, and they're a lot of work. Like, I think you and I have a mutual friend that has some of these types of exotic ones. If not, he used to, but I asked the same questions. Like, so when he goes away, for example, it's not like leaving a, a goldfish in a tank or anything like that. As long as, you know, everything's, you have a full functioning tank. You know what I mean? It's not like that. You have to have someone come and care for it. And there's, a, it's very particular. It's like a lot of responsibility for some of these. And apparently they're quite easy to kill if you don't take the proper care. I mean, ah. and they're expensive. Holy shit, man. Some people buy them for like $1,500. It's crazy. A fish. <laughs> well, you're not even eating it when it dies. Like you're not even going to eat it at the end. Like it's a fish. I don't understand it. I would, just never will. Would you feel better if we did eat it at the end? Maybe. Like, you like, were a great pet, but now you're going to be a great dinner. If it was like a delicacy or something and you're like, I'm waiting for the day, but I'll keep you alive for now. Like, okay. I still just don't, I don't get it. What, what uh, does clownfish taste uh, like? You tell me. Other than it looks, like I said, other than it looks really pretty. I've been to the aquarium before. 
I've seen all those exotic areas and I think that's a cool place to go because it is educational. So those places I'm okay with actually. And they do have some cool programs involved in them. But when like just your average Joe has like the biggest tank you've ever seen in your life in the middle of his living room and the place kind of stinks too. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking gross. Fishwater is like, nasty. It's just whatever. Like I said, it's not for me. Teach their own. Do you think we should be tipping flight attendants? Because this came up from Kaylee Kuoko. She was at LAX on Tuesday and the TMZ crew was there just waiting for a celebrity to walk in. And, and she was in the flight attendant. So they asked her, hey, should we be tipping? And she said, absolutely, we should be tipping flight attendants. Of course she's going to say that. Number one, as you mentioned, great show, by the way. And I love Kaylee Kuoko. So no hate on Kaylee. She's fabulous in the flight attendant. Watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, for us, it's here. It's on Crave. So good, right? She played a flight attendant. Do you know how many people follow her and like her for that reason that are flight attendants? A lot. Number two, Kaylee Kuoko takes different flights than the rest of us, in de- at least in a different section of the plane. When you're in first class, if you get to be in that opportunity to be in first class on the, and I can only imagine what that means for her. She probably has those full lie downs. She's got the dinner served and the lunch and it's a full meal every time. Maybe it's even an all you can drink. Yeah. Tip. It's like a hotel meets a bartender all in one. You're tipping for sure. However, when you're cramming us all into the economy, barely any leg room. And then all I'm getting is the free ginger ale. I don't know if I necessarily have to tip there. It is their job to distribute one drink and one snack to every person who wants it. Now, some people make it a little more complicated. Some people don't just want a half a can of Pepsi. They would like a a Caesar or they want a martini. And then the flight attendants will jump in and do their thing. Occasionally, maybe you want a weird thing in your coffee, like eight sweeteners or something like that. They'll gag, but they'll make it for you. No problem. And and when they're doing that sort of stuff, maybe it's when you need a modification. When it's not as simple, here's your drink, here's your cookie, shut the fuck up and put your seatbelt on. Maybe it's when it's something more you tip them. Or is this just a generalization? If somebody brings me a drink in any other scenario, I'd be expected to tip. Why wouldn't I on an airplane? Yeah, I mean, that's and that's a different situation for me. Like I said, if you're if you're just doing the economy, hey, I bought the flight ticket. That's all I'm doing. No, you can't buy a sandwich. We're sticking to a budget here. All those things. Fine. But if you are requesting something other than something that might be easy, like a seat, like you said, a Caesar, that's not an easy thing to make. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so that requires I don't know how elaborate the Caesars are on a flight. Are I'm, they all right? With the, they do like a celery? Is it in a plastic cup, though? Yeah. Like, fuck I was, my life. I was going to say, I know it's not an easy thing to make, but they also don't make it right on the plane <laughs> it's anyway. It's just a can of Mott's, right? Basically, it's Mott's <laughs> and vodka. Oh, you want salt and pepper? Get no, out of here. it's probably the premix that you get at the LCBO <laughs> for $19 a can on the plane. Oh. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think that there's differences. But if I'm flying first class, I- I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah. So again, it's, She's going to say that. She's going to say that, right? Because they don't always have an easy job. And I understand that. But there's a lot of people that don't have an easy job all the time. And we don't tend to necessarily tip every time. So why do we need to continue to talk about tipping for every single industry? There's a lot of us that are broke as it is, right? I mean, there's a lot of people struggling. And then it's like more and more people are asking for those tips. Yeah, I uh, and, and rightfully so. Hey, if you're struggling, tips are an easy way to start making money. I would tip in a lot more scenarios than I currently do. My problem is, is that tipping is usually done in cash. I'll give you an example. Last night, I was at a function for the Rotary Club, and they were giving Pinball Clemens, former Argo great 
Pinball Clemens, the Humanitarian of the Year Award. And I was there to present it to him, and and we had a great time and such. And it was an open bar at Woodbine Banquet Hall in Etobicoke. Uh, Nice. Chief James Raymer. Toronto Police was yeah, there. Yeah, great. Uh, Superintendent Ron Tavner was there. Oh, oh was a, I love Ron. Ron's just a beauty, he isn't is. he? Yeah, love he him is. to death. He would have been a great OPP commissioner too. Just saying. However, I will. Uh, I'll point out that the bar was open, meaning they were not taking cash or plastic. So with that taken off the table, I couldn't leave a tip. There was a tip <gasps> jar there, and you I don't know if cheap fuck. I don't know if they. <laughs> If people did have cash and I was the only one who didn't yeah. or if they stuffed it with their own 5 and $20 bills, but it looked quite full and I felt like an asshole because I didn't have any cash. Yeah, I even tough. asked the woman, do you have an ATM or anything here? She said, yeah, it's down the street. Well, I wasn't going to leave to go and get cash for a tip. Like, could they not create an easier way? Maybe it's time to have a, maybe we should make it more common just for tipping that you can just ask for the debit terminal. Maybe there's a, a button that calls up the tip options and you can do... Five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, or you can do 15%, 20%, 25%. However they want to do it is fine with me. I would just like the ability to Mm -hmm. tip, and I hate it when I'm in that situation where I can't. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, some places do try to make it as easy as possible. You think that they would try to make it as easy as possible. Depends on the function, though, because I'll usually tend to do the, and I do this, I'll do this at weddings now, too, but the upfront tip Mm. for the bartender. If I'm going back to the same bar every time, and that's the same person working, here you go. I'll give you either, let's say I'm not sure how much I'm going to drink. I'll start with like, here's a 20. I'm probably going to come back a couple times, but you know me. And I already gave you a 20 up front. Uh-huh. Remember, Remember this face. and serve me. And when you see this face, you run as, cl- yeah. as fast as you can towards it. Run to me. Get me another drink. <laughs> There's a must be a hole in my glass. <laughs> I had a few, actually. I feel bad. I kind of owe that lady a tip. I, maybe I should go back there today. Hey, can you give this to the bartender that was working at this bar last night? Would I don't know weird? if they'll do that. Would that be weird? Yeah. Probably. I think it definitely Good, record would Record it. That'd be great. Um, you mentioned the price of alcohol when we were talking about flight attendants. Mm-hmm. Good that you did because they've crunched the numbers on basketball. Hey, it's great if you want to go and see a basketball game and you can take your family. That's a great day out for you and and, and a partner and the kids. No doubt. Fun. But it's getting more expensive. And they ranked every team in the NBA based on what it would cost to take a family of four to a game. Do you think the Raptors are a deal? Or do you think they're an expensive team? I'm going to go with expensive. And the reason why I'm going to guess expensive on this is because any time that there's a team that represents an entire country, which basically is the case for the Raptors, you're going to have demand for tickets. And when there's demand for tickets, the price can stay at a high. And when there's demands for tickets, it means concession can be uh, purchased at a higher price point usually. They're not going to give stuff away for free, basically. So I'm going to guess that it's quite expensive. When you look at the cost of four tickets... Parking, two beers, two non-alcoholic drinks, four hot dogs. How much would that cost your family of four if you wanted to go? The Raptors are the fourth most expensive team in the Uh league. Golden State is the most expensive. And frankly, Kat, I don't know how anybody in a family situation could do this. They say four tickets will cost you 670 bucks. You'll pay almost $40 for parking. Two 16-ounce beers should cost you about 34 bucks, And then two non-alcoholic drinks will cost you almost 15 bucks. Ugh. 
Four hot dogs should cost you $24. Grand total, $690 oh, come on. to take a family of four to an NBA game. Now, when we break it down by Toronto, I think they're probably using U.S. dollars. It was a U.S. company that did it. They probably don't even realize there's a difference in value between the Canadian and American dollar. Mm-hmm. So even with it in American dollars, we're still the fourth most expensive. They say four tickets will cost you about 399 bucks. Oh. Okay. Maybe if you buy them from I, a I scalper when the second quarter is starting. Yeah, I think I think it's higher than that. I th- I do. Parking about thirty bucks. Mm, depends. Two sixteen ounce beers, nineteen bucks. Then two non alcoholic drinks. Believe it or not, Scotiabank Arena has the most expensive pop in the league. Really? Two non-alcoholic drinks at Scotiabank Arena will cost you almost $15. We're also the only place that calls it pop. Yeah. Sodas, Americans. Oh, get a couple sodas. 15 bucks for two sodas. No, that's not. It's insane. I know. And then hot dogs, four of them. Average it out at 24 bucks. They say you can take a family of four for about $487. But that would be US converted to Canadian. You're over 600 bucks. For sure, you're close to 7 probably at this point. Close to 7. That might make sense then 7, I would assume maybe a little bit more. It's a lot. I mean, that's a lot for a one afternoon or evening depending on when you're going. That's a lot. See, it's weird because going to a Raptors game is is a trendy thing to do now. Same with going to a Leafs game. But it never used to be like that. It used to be families that would go to these things, but it got so expensive to take a family to it that now it's just the suits. We mm. complain, oh, it's so quiet in here. There's no energy in here. Well, that's because the families that were not quiet and had all that energy can't afford to go anymore. Yeah. I mean, unless you yeah. get given the tickets, forget it. And it also goes back to like the argument of those business seats. Oh, those corporate yeah. seats, right? And uh, the amount of people that are really there because they like it versus, yeah, I don't really care about this, but I got to, yeah, right, I'll just go to. And then it is kind of sad when you do know that there's people that would kill for those seats or even seats in general that just can't afford to, right? I never think to go to a Raptors game. I really? like the Raptors and anytime I've gone, I had a great time. Oh, it's it's just when I'm sitting around bored, I never think to myself, Raptors play in an hour. Maybe I'll head down to Scotiabank oh, Arena yeah. and see if I can pick up some scalper tickets. It never happens like that. No, you should. It's fun. It's a fun game. By the way, off topic here, but kind of on topic. How do scalpers work now? Do they have physical tickets or do they like email you tickets when you give them the money? Oh, that's a good question. They probably print off the vouchers. Do you think so? They probably do the legwork and print off the vouchers for you. They'd have to make it easy for you. Or... Yeah, do you take a picture of like the code to get in I from have, their phone? Or they or maybe you're right, maybe they do ask for an email, which is kind of invasive at the same time. I'd be like, No, you're not having my email. No illegally operating scalper. Mm, you can't have that. my email. I'm gonna end up on some sort of a weird mm, mailing list I don't then. Like that. And I don't know you. You're gonna sell my personal information to other scalpers is what you're gonna do. That's a good question, actually. Are now, they allowed technically to 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 be scalping outside the buildings? Because I know they're not technically supposed to, right? They used to enforce it, and now I feel like they're not enforcing it. I don't it. think they do. You know, it used to be real low key. Hey, hey, tickets. You tickets? Buying and selling? What are you doing? Yeah, you want tickets? Now it's just kind of right out there in the open. They're screaming it. Who needs tickets here? Get them. Do you think you can tell? By talking to someone, one conversation, if they're a con artist or not. Oh, 
That's a good question. I'm going to say, yeah, I think I have a pretty good sense on people. So I'm going to say yes. Grad students at Baylor University for professional selling did a study of more than 140,000 salespeople. They found, first off, salespeople in America were the most ethically challenged. Ethically challenged is a nice way of calling them a con artist. Yeah, it is. Okay. So the lead author said from all of their work, you can have maybe five or six different things that will tell you that the person you're talking to is a con artist. And they were using specifically salespeople. Uh (laughs) That's great. Okay. (laughs) If you want to know if the person you're talking to is a con artist, Mm -hmm. here's a couple of things that con artists typically do. Number one, compulsively name drop. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, all right. All I right. do that from time to time, but I'm not really a con artist. Hmm. Claims oh. <laughs> claims total expertise in an unrelated number of fields. Oh, just in case you want to pursue something in any of the other fields because you're not buying what they're selling in the moment? I think they try and make Is themselves seem like they're smarter than they are. And worldly and shit like that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you want to talk about cars? Yeah, I can talk about cars for ages. You want to talk sports? Yeah, I know everything about sports. Yeah, I don't like that. No, I don't either. Seems unmoved by the threats of being exposed as a con artist. Is that because they're like a little sociopathy? I think that there's probably a line you could draw there. I don't know how long the line would be, but you could do it. I don't know either. I don't know either, but it does sound a little on that side. When they get caught in a lie, they'll usually write it off as a harmless misunderstanding or accuse you of misunderstanding them. They'll never accept responsibility. They're going to gaslight us is what you're saying? Basically, they're going to gaslight you. Okay. Overuse trust-building words like integrity, openness, principles, when really they don't have any of them. They just throw out those buzzwords to try and make you feel good. Mm. They say those are all signs that the person you're talking to is a con artist. Does this translate to relationships too? Because I I feel like this really easily translates to a dating situation. You read my mind because that's exactly what I was thinking. Huh, you go out with somebody who's compulsively name dropping. People get nervous. Maybe they want to show off or pump up their own tires a little bit. I could kind of see it. Mm -hmm. But when they are claiming total expertise in every conversation that comes up, Mm -hmm. when they are unmoved by the threat of being exposed as not knowing what the fuck they're talking about, (laughs) when they blame you for misunderstanding them, when they clearly said something wrong, or when they do use those those buzzwords, those trust-building words too much. Yeah, they're probably conning you. And let's be honest, there's a lot of people out there conning in general. Yeah, I think Just to is. try and get further ahead, whether it be in life, work, or a relationship. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like the easier way. Sometimes it's kind of fun to bring on that other persona. Yeah, am I a slippery fuck? You bet I am, but this is going to be a good day. <laughs> this is what they're getting at. They say the exaggeration rate of American sales representatives was 57.2%. 57.2% of the time they're trying to con you. Wow. That's like a fake it till you make it thing, isn't it? But it's their In job, some cases? though. Salespeople have to sell, and, well. and they have to convince you that you want it. So if they've got to butter you up a little bit, yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there's a difference, though, between buttering up, and then you kind of cross the line on a couple of those, though. Once you're starting to, like 
try to gaslight them, like we mentioned, and say, oh, you misunderstood me. Uh, no, I think that that's exactly what you said. That's where it crosses the line between sales to scammy, in my opinion. Because sales, I get it. Hey, you know what? Give your pitch. Do your thing. And some people are really good at it. But no means no. And I think sometimes when it gets icky is where those people cross that line, right? And then they're like, don't say no to me. I know Tom Cruise. And then they do all that other shit that you just mentioned. Tom Cruise bought some from me or whatever the case might be, right? So you think you could spot a con artist just by talking to them. I'm going to give you a couple of people and I want you to tell me if you think they're a con artist. All right. Gordon Ramsay. No. No? No, I think he's pretty. No, I think he's he's genuinely himself. He's honest. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And sometimes the most like out like he's out there. He doesn't it doesn't seem like he's trying to fake anything to me. Interesting. Okay. Let's keep going. What about Brad Pitt? Hmm. He's kind of a con artist. You think he's he got is? this shit going on with that vineyard? He's got he's playing some sort of a game, isn't he? You think he's playing a game? It's really hard because it's a lot of he said, she said right now. If we're talking specifically about that, there's a lot of stuff that she's saying too that one could question if Angelina's a con artist. Didn't he fly to Africa to have an affair with Angelina Jolie? Isn't that how that went down? Well, (laughs) the wording on that has to be a little more specific. That was the first time that the two of them were actually spotted together, but he had separated from Jen Aniston at the time. Ah. So was it an affair? If you're separated from someone or not, that's where the question lies. So it's up to you and what what you believe that is. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it threw... Jen Aniston off and maybe that's where you find your answer to that. I don't think he's a con artist. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no? Question marky? (laughs) Sheldon Keefe, head coach of the Maple Leafs. No. No? No. You know, he has got a real way with words. He actually came out yesterday and apologized because he said he tore a strip or apparently he tore a strip off of the first line after they lost to Arizona on Monday night. He actually went yesterday and said, yeah, I, uh, I rephrased what I had to say to a few of the guys and wanted them to understand what I truly meant because I did a bad job at articulating what was on my mind. I think it came off as a horrible rant, and they were probably feeling pretty demotivated after that. Frankly, I think they deserved it because they did play like shit. But I think you have to talk to them in a different way. That's great. But the fact that you're willing to admit it, isn't that what we're looking for here in human decency? Is, hey, you know what? I screwed up. That was kind of messed up. That's exactly what you want. That to me is the opposite of a con artist. That's I made a mistake. I'm human. That's what you want to see is more human in that person. Doug Ford. All politicians are going to be con artists to me. In they one are way, all in one way con or another. artists. You know, whether it's a small, uh, whether it's a small subject matter or a large subject matter, I think in one way or another. Yeah, they all are. Hmm. Okay. Our dogs can judge us. And they do Hmm. judge us. We just can't hear what they're actually saying, but they judge. Researchers in Japan found female dogs in particular judge people after watching them do something stupid or act in in an incompetent manner. Hmm. The team examined how male and female dogs reacted to watching people either act competently or incompetently. And the results found females stare longer and approach humans who appear to be competent and then leave out the people who are incompetent. Really? Don't we do that? We all know there's somebody at the office that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and you don't necessarily (laughs) hang out with them. You avoid them when you need help with something. Absolutely. Don't you? You go to the person who knows what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Isn't that exactly what we all do? So picture this. Think about your dog. If you've got a dog, think about your dog. Maybe sitting there looking up at you in the kitchen. 
they had people try and open a container. Some of the containers had food. Some of them didn't. They told people, we want you to struggle to get the lid off this container. So half of them had no problem. Half of them struggled. The dogs actually sat there and had responses and emotions based on these people fumbling around trying to open something. It was almost like the dog saying, will you fucking get on? Can you open that goddamn container? Come on. Give me the treat. They were actually judging people. And when they found that you couldn't do it, they basically gave up on you and said, well, this is a lost cause. I'm going to go to somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. There's nothing to that, though, because if it takes me too long to, like, get Leo's dinner for him or something else, he'll do this thing where he just, if he's, if he's just on all fours, he'll just sit and he does. Like, you can actually hear the sigh. You can hear the sigh coming from him. Like, could you please just get my dinner, please? Mm-hmm. You know exactly where it is. Just do it. Do you think when a dog sighs, they're actually sighing in the same context that a human would? Similarly. I think sometimes similarly, yep. I feel like that too. Sometimes yeah. my dog, there's been a couple of times where I told him, okay, we're going to go to the park. Yep, going to go see your friends at the park. Just stand by. And then I got to get my shoes. Then I got to go upstairs and find some gloves. Then I got to get a hat. And oh shit, maybe I should put some sweats on and go comfor- comfortable for this. The dog will actually give up and say, yeah. And just lay on the floor. Like, you get it together. Tell me when you're ready. I know. They have like these passive aggressive size. So one of the other things my dog does is he's obsessed with my girlfriend. He just thinks the sun rises and sets over her. Sure. And and that's great. I like that he likes her that much, but he's also very protective of her, including with me. The other night he climbed into bed between the two of us and had his back against her, used her as leverage to push me with his paws <laughs> further away. And he's a strong, he's a strong old guy there, isn't he's he? He's almost 100 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, now he's not allowed in the bed. Let's see how you like that, yeah, Charlie. Yeah, right. If anyone's kicked out, it's probably going to be you. It probably it? would be me. Or the two of them would leave and go sleep on the couch or something like that. Uh, but the other one he does too is if we're being affectionate, if we have a hug or a kiss or mm-hmm. something like that, now he'll get the, uh, the old... Oh, really? Yeah. Leo used to, I should, I should test that out a little bit more because Leo used to do that with us. Um, it wasn't aggressive at all, but it was just like a, mm, like, I don't like and he'd this. use a snout to kind of like separate us a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think through the years, he's just realized like, there's nothing I can do. Like these two are just going to be together and that's going to be that. <laughs> I've given up. I've given up. See, Charlie still has hope because Charlie's a young pup. So he, I respect Charlie's hope that he's, he can still separate the two of you. Leo's lost the hope. He's like, nah, I'm done. No, I now under- he's, I understand. He's like a bouncer. He's like physically yeah. climbing into the bed, trying yeah. to push me away from yeah. her. And it blows my yep. mind that he thinks like that. Uh, they say dogs pay attention to various aspects of our actions and they make judgments about them. For example, social versus selfish acts. Social versus selfish. So wait, the dog is going to watch me leave my dishes in the sink for somebody else to wash and judge me for being selfish? Oh. Like the dog notices that shit? I don't I don't think dogs really notice anything that doesn't have to do with food. Or cuddles maybe. Uh, or walks. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I don't think they care. Last story. Authorities responded to a plane that landed in Newark, New Jersey after passengers on the flight from Tampa found a snake on the plane. United Airlines confirmed that the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey officials and Newark Liberty International Airport wildlife operations staff were called out to a United flight after a snake 
was seen on the floor in business class while the flight was taxiing around 1.15 on Monday. The snake, they say a harmless garter snake, was captured and released outside the airport. Hmm. How'd the snake get on the plane? That's what I want to know. How did that snake get on that plane? I think we know. I mean, I've seen the movie too. Where's Samuel at? (laughs) But I mean, the snake is not going to use the jetway. The snake is not going to climb stairs into a cockpit. It had to have been brought on by a person. You think so? I mean, I guess it's possible. But if it's a harmless snake, are we really that upset about it? But it could have been a deadly one, cat. And you to me, there's pra- no such thing as a harmless snake. This was snake. a practice run. Every time I see oh. one of them, it shaves just a couple more minutes oh off my, my life. I did not mind snakes at all. I saw a cute little gardener snake just the other day. Like, it was so tiny. They're, they're harmless. They're harmless. Well, in this case, people in business class were like freaking out and screaming I, and I, lifting their feet off the floor. I and- get that. I mean, it's not the first place that you would expect to see one. It's not like you were out on a hike and that's their life, by the way. That's where that's their world that you're walking into. Planes don't need necessarily fall under that category. So I understand the freak out. In this case, it's kind of weird because they discovered the snake as the plane was taxiing, meaning they had to do that entire two hour and 10 minute flight knowing there's a snake around there somewhere, but not knowing necessarily where the snake is. And that would be a weird feeling, wouldn't it? Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I suppose so. Because those things can just come out of nowhere. If it scares you. I mean, again, like I wouldn't be scared in terms of, oh, I'm going to get hurt. Someone's going to get hurt. It's harmless. But it's still not, I mean, it's not something you really want around. I understand. I am deathly afraid of snakes. so funny. I cannot do it. And that would be torture. No, we're still taking off? No, fuck it. You go back to the gate and get that snake off this plane. If we had a gardener snake that for some reason was loose in the studio, I got you. Don't worry. I would have no problem grabbing it. Putting it outside. What if it wasn't a garter snake? What if it was... Like what? a python? Oh, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Last chance to ask us a question for the Ask Us Anything annual special now. I think this is the third time we've done Ask Us Anything, I isn't think it? it is. You and I did one ourselves, and then we did one with Dave as well, and I think this would be the third one, and Dave's going to be back with us for that tomorrow. Get those questions into us in tomorrow's episode. We will answer all most, 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 most of the totality of the number that come in, we will answer most you of them. You can ask it, but when you guys get real, real personal, yeah, we're going to be like, no, nah, I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, some of them that are personal, I'll answer, but not all of them. No, and we'll that's tell you which thing. ones tomorrow. That's the thing. Some of them I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Let's do that. And tomorrow's going to be the day. Weekday mornings from 5.30 till 9.30 on 91.5 FM, The Beat in Kitchener. And weekday evenings from 6 until 9 o'clock on Fresh 93.1. Barry's Hit Music is where you can hear us on Terrestrial. And, of course, After 9 is here whenever you want it. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, guys. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.